at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hairdo like no one else hair does. Yup, I just said that. I didn't read ahead. That's because not only is it the home of champion haircuts, they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game, and it should be. With MVP haircut experience, your haircut gets turned up a notch. That's because the MVP is more than just a haircut. It's a spa day for your hair follicles. It's a seven pressure point massaging shampoo, along with a perfectly steamed hot towel. Oh, well, a steady stream of sports plays on television. Man, my testosterone is coming out my ears. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. Man, what a claim. It's a game changer. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. Hi, my name is Claire Danes, and I am decidedly giddy about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, welcome to yet another episode, a thrilling episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, joined by my loyal gang, my chums, my comrades, Sonam Obsession. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, you've been practicing that. That's good. And, um, <laughs> and Mr. Matt Gorley. Matt, how are you? Hi. Good to see you. <laughs> Hey, your citizenship classes are going very well. <laughs> I love America. It's a beautiful country. Uh, I yeah. can turn right at a red light. <laughs> uh, I am just back. I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling good because I just got back from a uh, a lengthy stay in New York City. Yeah, did a bunch of podcast records there. Very cool. And Interview. what we do is we sort of get some of the people that don't often get to this uh, coast. Our great booker, Paula Davis, lined up just a murderer's row of people to talk to. Um, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So many of those people come out to Los Angeles yeah. regularly. So many of them live here. Many of them live here. And it's like you caught them when they were in New York. So don't don't, don't do that. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, well, first of all, uh, you do have a point there <laughs> that every single person I talk to um, not only uh, regularly comes to Los Angeles, but of the, I think, seven people I interviewed uh, during my week, um, I think six of them own homes within 300 feet of this building. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the part that's really hard to swallow. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's true. Uh, let's see. Who is, we talked to a lot of people, and um, I do say, I, I, I will say this. There are some interviews where I think, I really miss you guys. There's some interviews, I'm sorry, I lock in, I'm having such a blast. Um, do I miss you? No. 
Um, that's going to happen occasionally. Mm. I'll say I talked to seven people uh, last week, and I know you guys were very jealous that I talked to Matthew Reese. Yes. Mm. You're big Matthew Reese fans. Mm. And I, I don't know if this is going to console you or not, mm. but as amazing as he was on Zoom, in person, multiply that by a thousand. Ugh. What's he smell like? He smells like victory oh. and pine. Like if you could take the pine scent plus vi just the smell of victory. Oh my God. So like if you built a log cabin out of uh, the assault on Omaha Beach. Yes, what? exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a reference to D-Day. Yes, I know it is. I just you probably wouldn't think, know. I you think probably would... think we attacked a beach in Omaha, oh, Nebraska, okay. Real don't funny. you? But that, you know what? That probably smelled a lot like death. So I like, you know, no. I don't think that it was probably a good no, example. No, coast of France. Nice briny smell. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. You, you kind of, I understand you're going a little hard at him, but you kind of came a little I'm hard sorry. at me. That's I know. Okay. I'm That's sorry. That's true. It's weird when you two fight. Yeah, we have to have a united front here because he's the one screwing us. I yeah. know. He went off to New York for I went off to New York, and you know what? Ever. You know what's incredible is uh, I looked at my, I was wearing an Apple Watch and. Ooh, an aristocrat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. fancy man. Wow. <laughs> fancy, fancy man. Sorry, I do live in a bubble. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> But I own one of those uh, watches made by the <laughs> Apple Company, and it ha com comes complete with an Apple strap oh. and uh, powered by Apple Energy. No, but I was wearing one just because, you know, you like to know what steps you're getting, and I it's shocking. When you're in New York, and I'm just walking around doing things, and one day I did 10 miles. Oh. And then I think, here in Los Angeles, uh, you know, I get in my car, I come here to the podcast studio, and then this is my choice. I'm carried by my assistant David yes. uh -huh. up and placed in my chair. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm carried back to my car and I go home. And then this is a deal I have with my wife where I'm carried upstairs. Okay. And so I barely move here in LA. Yeah. But I got so much. I was just walking and walking and I, I have killer abs right now. My ass is rock hard. Let's see oh. it. Do you want to see my ass? Yeah. No, I'm good. Wait, your <laughs> your birthday's coming up. I'll make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, five o'clock tomorrow morning, ass pick text. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Like, Happy what is on this? One cheek birthday on the other. Why did someone send me a picture of these two soggy, uncooked <laughs> English muffins? <laughs> oh, no, wait. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Why are they freckled English muffins? <laughs> Oh, Man. come on. That's erotic. I like English muffin. Did you say that's erotic? I think it's very erotic. <laughs> okay. That's my ass, ladies. Two, they've been uh, soaked in brine and then just taken out. They were never oh, put through a toaster. Pickled. Brine? And pickled. they smell like yeah. that? They have little freckles. Uh, uh, yeah. And then, of course, that uh, tattoo. Oh. Um, we won't talk about that. It's of an Apple Watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, it is amazing. Um, it was incredible. But I, uh, I did miss you guys. Sincerely, I did miss you. But I think the interviews were uh, really terrific, and um, in no way hampered by your absence. But I also missed you, and I think it was a great loss. But at the same time, um, I think if anything, the interviews were enhanced. But Whoa. I think the quality really suffered. There, I've covered all my bases. You can walk in L.A. What's I'm that? just saying. You know, I mean, I. I have a very, like, not love-hate. It's more, 
I don't know what it is with New York City. Right. Yeah. And I I mean, anytime someone says you could do this in New York, like, you could do that here, too. You just walk somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. OK, uh, not really true, because I've tried taking walks like my dream is to be able to ride my bike. I, I, I did get to talk to one guest who rides their bike everywhere all through New York City. It's a surprise guest and it's a big deal. And you got a DoorDash delivery person on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, wow. We didn't have anyone that day, so uh, I ordered a Caesar salad. Um, no, uh, I would love to be able to ride my bike. It's very hard to do that in L.A. from, say, where I live to here because I live 175 miles away from this right. studio. Yeah. Um, but that's on me. Uh, but it is hard also to walk in L.A. Sometimes you're walking, you're trying to walk someplace and the sidewalk just stops. That doesn't happen in New York City, the sidewalk doesn't just stop yeah. anywhere. But you don't have to stop. You can keep walking into the street. Are you worried? Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah. sure you can. Yeah. And then you're immediately hit by a truck. I've been hit by trucks 15 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think, it, is New York really a safe place to ride a bike? Because I've opened it's, my door and hit a bike. Right well, here. it's not safe, clearly, when you're opening doors. <laughs> you're supposed to check. Sona. So when you're kicking a door open and saying death to all bikers and they go flying over the door, then no, it's not a good place to hang. Not at all. Uh, uh, but, but yeah. I don't know if it's safe. To, yeah. Is it safe to bike? I don't think it's safe to yes, bike. Yes, there's a lot. Bike. It's much better because there are a lot of uh, bike lanes. Okay. What you have to walk out, watch out for is uh, many more people have electric bikes. And uh, there are a lot of delivery people and they're going 140 miles an hour. Yes. And they've put, uh, th they've like strapped sharp knives to the front of their bikes. It's like Road Warrior. <laughs> yeah, it's like Road Warrior. Uh, that's a little tricky. Yeah. But I would love to, um, I would be, love to be able to ride my bike to work. Mm. The only way I could do it is if uh, I bought a really big pickup truck and just did little uh, figure eights in the back on my bike. Sona, while, Sona, while you drove me to work. Oh, okay. All right. Sure. I won't break suddenly. And for reasons I don't understand, while I'm taking these tight circles, I go, that Three Stooges curly noise. The whole time I'm spinning around. All right. Well, very happy about this. My guest today is an Emmy award-winning actress who starred as CIA agent Carrie Matheson for eight seasons of the Showtime series, Homeland, that is an iconic show. Now you can see her in the fantastic Hulu series. I loved this. Fleischman is in trouble. I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled and delighted that she's here today. Claire Danes, welcome. It's very nice to see you it's again. It's nice to see you again. I'm going to say something that uh, I hope this comes out right, but this is how I feel. Whenever I meet people, as I met you many, 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 many years ago. Quite a few moons When ago. you came on the show, and probably for my so-called life or something, you know, <laughs> yeah, just like- Something so, ancient. I have this feeling, and I've said this to uh, like Scarlett Johansson, who was on as a child actor. She she was in a sketch that we did. Oh, really? Where she played a, uh, we, we billed her as a- uh, the spelling bee champion. Oh. And then we brought her out and we didn't tell the audience but it was all a hoax uh -huh. and she couldn't spell her way out of a paper bag, <laughs> which was the joke. But I'll see you or her and I'll think, 
I'm like your uncle or something. Because I, <laughs> you've all, I mean, like you've done so well. And then I have this weird pride, Aww. which is misplaced because I've had nothing to do with your life. Aww. I've done nothing other than have you on the show a couple of times. So I've in no way contributed to your success. Aww. But- I still have this kind of weird quasi-paternal thing that I don't that's, quite understand. That's very sweet. And yeah. I will take that pride gladly and uh, hungrily. Yeah, okay. no, that's Well, Father's very Day is coming up. I have a, also have a very nice memory of my wife and I. This was a long time ago. But oh, was we were this in, at the, in Seattle? Yes. At the Museum yes. of uh, Rock and Roll or something? Yeah, it's like the Music Exper- yes. Experience Music yes. Museum. My wife and I, our relationship is not that... I think we're newly married or fairly uh-huh. recently married or maybe even not married yet. Uh-huh. And you came running up to me and were really <laughs> nice to me. And my wife was like, you know Claire Danes? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. I know many and that, people. And that it's may like have, my job. That may have sealed the deal for me. <laughs> that may have like gotten well, me my wife oh, good. Yeah, okay. of 21 years. So um, good for you. It, yeah, I remember it too. It was quite exciting seeing you so out of context. Yes, yeah, I remember uh, that very well. There's just like these little flash moments you have. And we have so much to talk about because I saw this show that you did recently, uh, Fleischman's In Trouble. And I was interested in it right away because I adore you. I adore Jesse Eisenberg. Mm, it's a good group. I love Lizzie Cow. I mean, I just yeah. like, this is, and I had this thought of, they're getting some of my favorite people together to do a project and watched it. And uh, I was floored by what you did oh, in that. You. I don't know. If, I want to call it a movie because it's not a TV show. It's serial. You know, what do we call them now? I think we call them limited series. Limited series. Very which good. is like you're, a schmancier <laughs> version of mini series, which had a very different connotation exactly. not so long ago. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's, uh, there were so many things that like after school special. Yes, um, exactly. No, it was. It's not about, you know, no, no, vaginal but... discharge or <laughs> something. Um, well, I was disappointed because I. <laughs> tuned in thinking that's what I was going to see. Um, and uh, I was really blown away. And I should, it's not that I was surprised. You are so good at playing these people who are going through something torturous and who are just being crushed by like seismic plates of emotion. Mm-hmm. You're so able to do that. And then when I see you, you're just the lightest, most fun. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're effervescent Aww. and fun and and uh, great laugher. And I think, man, she's a good actress. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. I I don't know. It was. It's so exquisitely well, well written, this show. And, you know, it's this great magic trick that Taffy is able to uh, uh, create, both mm-hmm. in her novel and in, in the series. I, I have to say, I mean... I felt so supported by the material and the people that I was making the thing with. And yeah, it's, you know, it's taxing and risky to venture into those dark crevices of the human experience. But I so believed in the thing and was so excited to have a chance to, you know, explore these themes and mm-hmm. and these experiences that are so under represented in pop culture um, that, uh, you know, I I felt really invested and able to do it. And there's even some kind of joy in it. I mean, I I think because I know it's in service potentially of something worthwhile, you know, like, I mean, sometimes it's much harder to do a kind of technically easy scene with 
wonky writing than a really exacting, demanding scene with excellent writing. Like yeah. it carries you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about um, who was it who told me, uh, I think it was Brian Cranston said, uh-huh. um, he said, as an actor, I can get the material. If the material's like an A, uh-huh. I might be able to get you to an A plus. Yeah, yeah. But he said, if the material's a C, I can get you to a C plus yes. if I'm really like totally. on, on game or maybe to a B minus. Uh-huh. But he said the, the you know, really has to be on the page. Absolutely. And, you know, we are talking about this during this writer's strike and it's appropriate to bring up like here, here that that that, that is uh, I, I know there's so many people that think they'll watch a show. And there are many people that think the writers are just kind of making it up as they go along. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like you could watch Citizen Kane and yeah, Orson Welles got <laughs> Joseph Cotton, a couple of people, and they just kind of improv yeah. And then they came up with that sled thing in yeah. the end. Isn't that crazy? Totally. And, and it's amazing, yeah. And having spent so much of my time within television, I'm you know acutely aware of how vital the writer is in yeah. the process. And the intimacy that you start to have with your writing partners yeah. on a series is kind of unmatched. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it doesn't really exist to the same extent in any other medium. So yeah. I have just like the deepest of of respect for writers and and I'm, you know, really aware of how much I owe to them. But I will say this, what you do is, I mean, that's like kind of why I want to go back in time a little bit and try and figure out how you're able to do this. And I know that there's talent, but there's also training. And then there's just, it, I, what you do is a magic trick to me, as far as I'm concerned, because I know how to get up in front of people and be various versions of myself. Uh-huh. But I could no more do what you're doing than I could fly. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's, I'm humble all the time. Every time I need to turn the friggin' television on, I have to call for my ten year old son to, you know, assist me. So I'm very right. limited. Well, in I have many that. Ways. Here's the problem. I have that too. I just don't know how you can become, <laughs> how you can become other people and people that are in such crisis. And it's so believable. And whether it's you know Homeland or Fleischman or like you know any role you're playing, I'm, <laughs> and and you're going through these tortured moments. I would need to be talk about method. Yeah, I would need someone to be hitting me with hammers yeah, to no, access it's that true. kind I mean, of thing. Like I actually did a, a Hollywood Reporter roundtable thing where mm-hmm. different actresses convene sort of awkwardly around a table, but right. it ends up being kind of lovely. Um, and um, uh, I guess I was asked about this, like how it's possible for me to move sort of fluidly in and out of complex feeling, and then kind of be intact as a human on set minutes later. And Jennifer Garner actually reminded me that she had worked with um, the producing director of My So-Called Life shortly after we had done that series. And I was Mm -hmm. 13 when I did the pilot, 14 when I did the show. And she was, uh, Scott Winant is is the director's name. And she said that he was talking about working with me and he had a great time and, you know, was very impressed and all that. But, you know, that I was... I would get lost in in those darker scenes and it was hard for me to surface. And I'd kind of forgotten that. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I was just learning, you know? And I, I, yeah. I guess I take for granted the technique that I've just developed over time right. um, that I'm very grateful for. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm like fully in command of it constantly. It's a little deceptive. I mean, sometimes people will say, how can you just be laughing in between takes? And it's like it's a little misleading because 
yeah, I I have a certain amount of control, but it's always like on a bit of a simmer inside. Mm-hmm. It's just not yeah, otherwise uh, obviously think, visible to anybody else. Yeah, you're not schizophrenic. No. I, I have not diagnosed <laughs> you as schizophrenic. No. But I was thinking, I was, you know, going back and reading about your life, which fascinates me because I know at a very early age, you know, you come from a very artistic family mm-hmm. and you come from a family that was very, it feels like, Open. I mean, mm-hmm. you're living in the. Are you living in the village? Where are you living? In Soho. In Soho. Uh, on a loft. Yeah, my parents were were visual artists, and they moved to the Bowery in the late '60s, and then bought a loft building on Crosby Street with another couple for literally like negative. Like, I mean, just a shockingly stuff low. that make people angry yeah, today. Furious. Yes. Um, I bought this uh, house for eleven hundred dollars. Murderous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, and I. I mean, the factories were were shutting down all around me and being transformed into these artist studios. And you had to actually legally prove that you were an artist to live there at the time. It was, Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so yes, it was a funny way to live and, um, and very permissive uh, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but nobody, you know, nobody around me was involved with the performing arts. And actually it was only until I did that show Finding Your Roots mm-hmm. when I learned that my paternal grandmother, who I never knew and actually died when my dad was 10, and her name is Claire mm-hmm. Danes, mm-hmm. Um, um, named after her, like she apparently got a master's in the role of dance and Shakespearean drama oh, really? and had acted and directed in plays. And um, and I was kind of stunned by that because there was no indication of, of this being anywhere well, in the gene pool. Yeah, I don't I don't come <laughs> from I come from uh, dad's a research scientist. My mom was a lawyer. And then yeah. I go back before that. And my grandfather's a policeman and my, you know, just you're I look around and I keep thinking, is there where if I go back 200 years, is there a right, ventriloquist there dummy? Been. There must have been. <laughs> like, um, there must be a picture somewhere of a guy with like puffy hair. <laughs> Who's making an ass of himself yeah. and being and chased by angry people? Um, but I heard that you early on you were interested in mimicking. Is that true? Yeah. So my first memory of acting was when I was in pre-nursery school, and I was must have been like three or four. Yeah. Slow was my teacher. She was Indian, and I loved her. And it was nap time, and I. I was a terrible napper. I am still a terrible napper, but I'm also totally obsequious, like people pleasing person, which I, you know, still mm-hmm. am. So anyway, so I wanted to convince her that I was sleeping and I was doing my best impression of a sleeping uh, tiny child. And I, I'd, I'd remembered that my mom had twitched in her sleep. And so I was doing this, I was trying to do this twitch and I thought, oh yeah, 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 that's good. That's really subtle. That's super nuanced. She's never going to know that I am not you're unconscious. Like three. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you're, I you're working didn't out. Those oh, this is going to draw on I this. I can draw on this. You know, but but that was the that was the feeling that I was really working on the verisimilitude. You know, um, and I do think that that's just an innate impulse that we have. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I was just always really really curious about the human experience and yeah. wanting to yeah make the most sense of it that I could and just yeah. reflect on it yeah you know? the legends are true overwhelming power the sauce of destiny yes 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, listeners, it's your host from Parks and Recollection, Jim O'Hare and Greg Levine. And we are super excited because we have a very special guest this week, a special episode with Mr. Adam Scott, a.k.a. Ben Wyatt. That's right. And he's going to share with us some behind the scenes memories like his very first table read. I was very nervous, but as table reads were, it was an incredibly warm room and really responsive, really fun atmosphere. So be sure to tune in for an exciting episode of Parks and Recollection, wherever you got your podcasts. You mentioned your parents, and I would think, I, I not even knowing them or knowing about them, I would give them credit for the fact that you have your head on your shoulders. You've made such good decisions. And I think being famous when you're 13, 14, and I know even at the time, I've read quotes of yours from the time, 14, 15, you're very thoughtful about it. <laughs> and you're trying to parse it yeah. and figure it out. You're not saying, get me a stretch limo. Right. Uh, let's go three times around the park and I, I want to No, it was it was a very intense transition into the world of entertainment and yeah. we were all so naive um you know i got this show myself i mean i i knew that i wanted to explore this acting thing my parents kind of thought okay it's another after school activity like piano or dance sure, or whatever yeah. it was and i just started kind of hustling like i found this junior arts uh, junior um junior high school that, for performing arts program and I went to Lee Strasberg and I went to HB Studios but this was all my by my own making and they didn't interfere but you know and but and they were generally supportive but I would just rollerblade from audition to audition you know and I would like get some jobs and that eventually materialized into a career to all of our total astonishment yeah and then we were on a plane um, my brother is seven years older so he was at college at this point and we kind of had the latitude to do that uh, my dad's business was he was a contractor that was kind of naturally ending and um we were available to this experience thank goodness like yeah. together as a unit um but we were deposited in la was like the day after that massive earthquake in yes, 94. 94. And so there were actual aftershocks. Like the ground was shaking, <laughs> which yeah. was just an absurd, absurdly apt metaphor for LA how we were LA was preparing all for you. Exactly. At the time, uh, there were a lot of <laughs> seismologists at the time that said a major talent has landed in LA. Yeah. And we think that's responsible. But it was a bizarre correlation. Um, and yeah, it took, we were, you know, 
uh, bewildered and just kind of attempting to not look like total idiots, you know, for a few years. Um, But no, I totally credit them with um, whatever kind of orientation I ended up maintaining. And my mom was always with me on set. And, you know, they were not stage parents in any way we didn't even know how to like pretend you know that that was well i was around it because i was around stage parents because we were routinely booking kids to play you know we never used real people on the show (laughs) so whenever i brought my mom out it was always a different actress whenever i brought like yes yes we always i I made a point of making sure that we had this kind of sctv fake peewee's playhouse Uh version uh of reality but, you know, my son would come on the set but when I didn't even have a son. Right, right. And he'd have a little red pompadour wig. Uh-huh. And so we were always doing things like that. So kids were always around. Yeah. And I so often remember them coming up to yeah. me as if they'd been hit with cattle prods. Yeah. And they would say, Mr. O'Brien, I wish to tell you that you have transformed <laughs> late night and oh. you have made a generational impact. And I'd look yeah. behind them and see the parent staring at them like, yeah. we practiced this all night. It's this bullshit you go say to Conan O'Brien and I would feel terrible. Yeah. You feel terrible about it. Yeah. Um, they all went on to be very famous. Um, <laughs> that was Ben Affleck. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, um, that, but, but it was just incredible that I think it's the exception that proves the rule. And I think the fact that you were very nuanced, you were thoughtful and your parents were thoughtful. And then you decide, I need to get an education. Yeah. Well, my parents were always adamant that, you know, I be tutored on set. I mean, that was... A, a very real priority and they didn't have to impose that on me either like that was something I w- wanted to remain involved with mm-hmm. and then yeah and I think I was I got a little I did get a little dizzy and overwhelmed at a certain point um, and was being given a lot of opportunity and didn't quite know how to channel that focus it you right. know you know I didn't have a filter yet that I kind of needed to establish um, in a safer place, like a, you know, a campus. Um, And I was a little lonely, you know, I, I I mean, initially I was so relieved to be jettisoned out of the hell of junior high and, and high school. Um, Was it, was it a hell? Yeah. I think it was going to get less hellish um, because I was, I was moving through high school and I think, kids just get increasingly less desperate and cruel. So you're um, getting bullied? Yeah. I had a really hard time in middle school. Um, what do you think that bullying was about or do you remember? Well, there was a few things. I, I mean, I went to a few different schools for funny reasons. It's not like I, w- I was always living in the same place, but, you know, I had a teacher that my mom wasn't that thrilled by or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There was always a reason to to try out a different school. So I was often the new girl and sort of conspicuous and a little targeted for that reason. Mm -hmm. But I also was just like very sensitive to the injustices that were often on display and, and, and couldn't help, but I don't know, um, kind of take the bait Mm -hmm. and, and, I don't know. The the politics made me insane. The social politics. I wasn't strictly bullied, but I was I was vulnerable. And I was also I really liked learning. You know, I was nerdy and kind of didn't get the memo that you're supposed to pretend that you're not so 
engaged and curious at a certain point as a girl. Right. Um, right. So my hand remained very like high in the air. <laughs> you know, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, yeah, anyone, I think I got punished Anyone for that. but Claire. Anyone yeah, please. answer this question. And I think I was legit annoying too. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that was fair. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. And um, yeah, there was always like a girl. I changed three, di- I went to three different junior high schools and there was the same prototype, archetype, archetypical girl who was crazy smart and very troubled and decided that I was somebody that they were gonna, you know, make very unhappy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they just kept like materializing. I wish I had known, there's so many things you wish that you knew, uh, you could go back in time and tell the younger you. And I would just, the one thing I would tell the younger me is when people are really mean to you or bullying you, it's because they're miserable. I think that would have helped yeah, me somewhat. I mean, I think I kind of knew that, but I didn't it, it know didn't, that. It, but it didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. It didn't. It wasn't much of a tonic. Yeah, like yeah. you're still stuck, and once that once that dynamic is in play, you're sort of screwed because yeah. you're just in a cage. Like yeah. there's nowhere to go. Right. Um. And um. Yeah. Like, but it's funny. I've I, my son now is ten, and so he's starting to enter that point, and he is he's such a wonderful tender clever goofball like he's but and i see all of his kind of vulnerability and but it's funny because a mom from the school texted me about her son being aware of some bullying that was happening in his grade and but cyrus is just sort of like oblivious or or just not very moved by it you know and 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 her son was you know and and i was like oh gosh i i was your son you know and i'm so grateful that my son (laughs) isn't you know like it's a kind of amazing defense to just not really once you have kids the notion that someone would not be nice to them hurts more than anything else (sighs) oh my god it's brutal although i my four-year-old son rowan like he could be a he could go the bully route. Like I'm, I'm. I'm oh, he's terrified. got talent. He's yeah, got talent. Yeah, no, but it's like I'm terrified <laughs> that my older son might be bullied, and yeah. I'm terrified that my younger son might be the bully. Right. And so it's um, it's, it's a- good to have one of each. <laughs> yeah. so people, most people think that having one of each means a boy and a girl. It's like no, no. no I have a bully, and I have someone who is bullied. Yeah. We've done it both. But I'm glad they were born in that order because right. it would be really problematic if it was reversed. Um, and I think we just worry, you know, for what I, you know, it doesn't take much to. Yeah. 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 I'm one of six kids. Mm. And the, the last one, uh, Justin was born. Um, I think my mom might've been 42 or 43 and this is 19, the early seventies wow, and yeah. it was not as common. Yeah. Yeah. I still keep saying to Justin, I, you know, I, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad he's here. Yeah. I really am. I'm glad he's here. Yeah. And now I can't imagine, uh, him not being yeah, here, but, yeah, uh, yeah. he, he showed up so late, and um, what's the age difference between you guys? Oh my God, uh, he, I, I um, let's see. My mother had a child a year. Oh my God, because this was the '60s, oh. and we're Irish Catholic. So I think I, I just... Neil's born in '61, Luke's born in '62, I'm born in '63, Kate's born in '64. What slight gap? Then Jane's <sighs> born in '67, and then some. You know, then there's a long gap, and then I think Justin shows up in the early '70s, and so there's a ten-year gap between yeah. Justin and I. And I remembered someone saying, "What a wonderful." Later on, it was about five, ten years ago, someone said to me in front of my father, um, "Isn't it wonderful that?" 
your youngest was born your your youngest brother was born so much later because all of you could help uh-huh. nurture and raise him and uh-huh. i said what are you talking about it's like they threw a brand new tire into the ape cage and uh-huh. we just tore him apart <laughs> I mean, we really did we really just did start throwing him around it toughened him up. Yeah. It toughened him up. But no, there was not a lot of yeah. careful nurturing uh-huh. of this poor guy. My mom is one of five. Um, and uh, I just, just again, the deepest, deepest admiration and respect for, for those women. I mean, I can't imagine. My mother was once told by some Soviet women, bef- you know, before the wall fell, but she was at some event and there were some women from the Soviet Union there. And they said, in the Soviet Union, you would be awarded a medal. <laughs> For providing this many children. Wow. Like, seriously, wow. a serious medal. Oh, my gosh. There's like an order of, yeah. you know, whatever, Melanchenko uh-huh. that you get if you've had, because you've delivered that many children from Mother Russia. Yeah. And wow. I thought, you okay. know, I should probably go with Mother's Day. I should get my mother. They <laughs> oh, should bring oh, back medals. Medal. Like, yeah. They should. I hope you got something good on Mother's Day. Um, I did. Fla- I did. Because you know what? Sweet. Father's Day is a total crock. We get yeah. nothing. No one believes in it. Oh, no, no. And you know what? I, think, a, it, yeah, I don't it's think they, it's dismissed. Yeah, it's dismissed, and I think with good reason because <laughs> I look at I do I look at everything my wife does, and I I think that she deserves a medal. She Aww. deserves all these great things. She deserves like those epaulets that they had yeah. in the uh, British Navy. She does and a sash, and she Aww. deserves a sword. All these great things for doing so much. And then, um, yeah, I think I deserve nothing. I, no, I, I, have to, I have to say, my husband is is pretty uh, spectacular. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he really, he's the cook. He makes the doctor's appointments. He, oh, wow. He, yeah. No, he, okay. he, he takes on a kind of disproportionate amount of the parental duties. So I, I um, big shout out to Hugh Dancy, who's pretty wonderful. Um, I'll have that taken out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Why would I do that? What a spiteful person well, I am. We're talking about a show that uh, yeah. centers around divorce. No. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, with that in mind, when I was starting to watch Fleischman, it's interesting because I had a friend, a really good friend who's also a massive fan of yours. And at first, when you first start watching this show, and again, I don't want to give anything too much away, but it's a couple that's going through a right. very painful period. And then y- you as the wife, you sort of disappear from the scene. And yeah, are and she's really unsympathetic initially. I mean, very to put uns- it mildly. Very unsympathetic. Um, and you don't realize that you're you're seeing the marriage strictly through a lens, you know? And the lens you're seeing it through, which is so interesting, is uh, Jesse Eisenberg plays uh, your husband. And of course, Jesse is so good at looking, at being put mm-hmm, upon. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I, he looks put upon in real life. When I'm <laughs> and a lovely guy, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he really is. He is yeah. one of the sweetest guys. Yeah. Uh, but he he has such a good way of looking like he's just got the world on his shoulders. That's a really good point, you know, because it's true. He can flip so easily from, you know, a kind of puppy to, you know, this kind of wounded, you know, on his back person to, to a, a, a real villain, you know? Well, I mean, you look at the social network and and you see that he's, uh, he's obviously a terrific actor who's able to access all of that. But in this, uh, um, and I thought they've this show has exposed either exposed my sexism or <laughs> or tricked me into being maybe more sexist than I already am. But yeah. I'm really looking at it and I'm thinking I so sympathize with this guy, this poor guy, and he's trying to take care of these kids. And where is she? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, 
not being at all sympathetic to your character. And then there's this thing, and again, I don't want to give anything away, but there's this scene that uh, where your character, Rachel, mm -hmm. goes to this yoga retreat and the, these emotions are being drawn out of you in this scene. And you, th there's this kind of whale breakdown that you have that like came through the TV set and slapped me around <laughs> in a way that is, this is a, a compliment. I don't like being, I'm not into, I'm not into that, by the way, Claire, okay. not into that. I don't, I'm sick of that rumor that I like being slapped about. Um, a whipping yeah. occasionally, yeah. but no, uh, I felt like you had reached through the TV and it was so, and then of course I start talking to my friends who are also watching the show and we're all talking about that scene. Mm -hmm. And I think that scene is the most striking moment I had in television in memory. It just was like, oh my God, it completely turned me around on your character in a moment, but also I walked away from that thinking, I do not understand. I know that there are great actors in the world. I do not know how Claire Danes was able to do that. I do not know how you were able to do that scene. Well, I mean, again, it was really, it was written, yeah. you know, and I could, I recognized it. I find it unimaginable that you would go to set and they would put a camera on you and they would say action and that you'd be able to... I'm basically asking. Well, so 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 yeah. in advance, I do this this kind of this mental work, and then I have to totally let that go, and yeah. then just be in a visceral right. space. So I have to be very clear that. And you know, and it was funny when I went to college and didn't act for about three years. I was caught in a wrong in a, the wrong gear. Like I forgot that it was largely an intuitive process, also because yep. I had just been writing essays for a long time. Yep. Um, so I had to kind of return to the more in connection to the work, which is the more important one. Right. Um, but so both are at play. And really, when the camera's rolling, you have to just, you know, be in a non-thinking space, in yes. an emotive space. Um, but I, I and I, I, yeah, I, I, I see myself, hear myself um, not like taking maybe it sounds like I'm not taking credit for my contributions. But I can't do that so freely if I don't feel held yeah. by the people that I'm working with. Right, right. And John and Val, who were the directors on the episodes that I was doing the heavy lifting in, um, you know, they were they were just so right, so connected and present and kind. Um, and they didn't make me do things a million times, you know, like they understood that some scenes were a oh, little yeah. scarier and, and, and trickier than others. And so they were very careful and, and how they set it up. And, you know, a lot of them, we, we only needed to do one take. And I, I was going to say, if, if someone, if a director after the take that you did said, if anyone said, Okay, that was great. Let's do uh, let's do four more. Yeah. Uh, and I've also worked with wonderful directors who do work that way. And yeah. I, you know, I don't, only begrudge them that you know like sometimes there is value in seeing what happens and i um but i was glad for their sense of economy it got really in vogue the improvising especially in comedies uh -huh. and a lot of improvising and people being encouraged to now and i think um i was on a set once and i they, the, the director was literally saying things like all right try another one where you are the murderer <laughs> 
Now try one where you're the murder victim. Like you're changing massive things. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. uh, Yeah. um, But what I do understand what you're saying, that something that resonates with me, because I always try to look for, is there any common ground here I can have with Claire? And this is, there might be a psychological reason for this, or it just might be my lack of ability. I don't know what it is, but it was, I, people were telling me in my early twenties, you've got something, you should be in front of people. And I was feeling that, but I couldn't mm-hmm. see what it was. And I was like, you know, it's not stand up. I think it's improv. And then one person said, it might help your, imp-. I started doing improv a lot. And someone said, you should take a serious um, acting class. So mm-hmm. I took one downtown and I don't remember which one it was, but it was like a Stella Adler uh-huh. serious class. And I went in and signed up and paid I think it was about 23 or 24. And there was a, they asked me at one point to do a scene where I get up with another woman and I tell her how much I love her and how much she means to me and how heartbroken I am. And I said, I can do this if it is in the purpose of being funny. Uh, like right. if there's a joke to it, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I can actually, that would be the only way that I could act. I huh. think in any kind of, was if it ends, if it's going in the purpose of a joke right? or if it ends in That's a- That's so interesting. I know. And um, now you're my therapist, but, <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm serious. Like I do, I have done sketches where I'm looking at myself saying, I think I'm kind of acting here, mm. but I, it's because I know mm. that it's in the service of a joke. And right. to me, that's my- that's my wooden barrel. I can go mm. over Niagara Falls, but I need to, my, to be mm. in my wooden barrel of mm. it's comedy. Mm-hmm. Whereas what you're doing, there's you're going over the falls. There is no barrel. It's so naked. And I find that terrifying. I'm in awe of it, but I just find it uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, well, I would find comedy terrifying. You know, yeah. bit just be, but I think I... I but I, you're very I, funny. I, you are really funny. Thank you're you. Very, like, no, you are. You are very... <laughs> I mean, I've always could tell that you'd be a very funny, light, silly person at a party. And that's something a lot of people don't know about you. I yeah, think. I, I guess. But I, I doubt that that's true. I mean, I think you've decided that along the way, and I don't believe it. I'm just saying. I also think you're a very good fighter. Kick, <laughs> kick by, I've decided a bunch of things about you. You're also an undersea explorer. Claire Danes. You didn't know that about yourself, yeah. did you? Um, no. no, you have a but you are uh it, it is funny because you're you've you've carved out so many roles uh and iconic roles where, you know, as I said, whether it's in Homeland or even starting out with my so-called life, where it's you're dealing with complicated stuff and and then in person you have this lightness that's so much fun. Which I'm sure you brought to you know you you bring to other things too, but you're so it's it's amazing. You have a wide bandwidth, I think. Yeah, I hope so. No? Yeah, no, I I I would. I'm always eager to do something a little less intense, um, but I do have kind of a good time with the intensity and my sure. and and also I, I don't know. People keep throwing it my way. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't change anything in no. your career. It'd be no, great if I talked you into something, no, you know. No, I've You I've need said a sitcom. A, well, I've, I've said that I want to do a comedy for a long time. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, I'm not, it doesn't seem to land. Um, I've heard that you like a good party. You like to throw a costume party. I, you know, I had this. Which terrifies me, by the way, also. Uh, I do not like uh, wearing I, a costume. I had the best bachelorette pad for for a while um i had a loft 
on Worcester because I went to L.A. for about four years and always knew I wanted to come back to New York. My parents stayed in L.A., but I I came back and it didn't occur to me that I could live anywhere other than where I had lived as a kid. So I was just kind of recreating that and and bought this loft on uh, Worcester Street. And it was kind it was just it's open space and it was a great place to throw costume parties at a swing. Oh, my parents had a swing. They had a swing, they had a trampoline, they had a trapeze. I mean, my mom also ran a toddler school, but this was even before she had the, like, they just right. like. And they're not circus people. They're this not is just circus people. Recreational. They just, yeah. They're, they're very playful people, sure. I guess. Yeah, so nice. I was, um, you know, kind of appropriating that and it was effective. Now, of course, we became, you know, you and I got married and we were going to have kids. So we we now live in a, a very sensible family home with, it's the total inverse. Like it's this kind of long and narrow townhouse with, it's very, with many stairs and stuff. But there isn't this like, you know it's what happens? not a dance Every, party venue. Everything changes when you have to baby proof. Yes. My wife and I have this little house in the country that I got in another lifetime years ago that I've hung on to. And I remember when our first, when our daughter was born, Nev, screwing in the, the brackets for the baby gates. Uh-huh. And what an iconic moment what that was for me in my life. Uh-huh. And then I remembered a couple of years ago, noticing they were still there and that both our kids are kind of grown and unscrewing them. <laughs> and I got weepy. <laughs> Because we're like, this era yeah, is over. Yeah. I'm headed to my grave. I mean, I, I got very right, Irish and right, dark. Right. The one consolation is that when I get very old, I know my wife's going to have to put in gates for me uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> to keep me in place. We, so. Yes, they, they will come back in a, in a slightly <laughs> different context. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I had a lot of great parties and I miss them. Easter sometimes falls on my birthday and my 30th birthday happened to be uh, uh, one of those years mm-hmm. and um Hugh went as a severed ear there's some he went to like boarding school and I guess was just kind of inhaled these biblical stories I you know it was sure. just like swimming in the water so he was a severed not a man he with w- a severed no, ear he, he was, was a, se- a severed ear wow. it was very impressive and that's when you knew you were in love kind of <laughs> um yes uh and uh-huh. he convinced me that I should go as the 30 coins of silver that Judas was paid to betray oh my Jesus. God. Um, but it was really fun. It was my brother went as the black jelly bean that nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It was great. There were a lot of Playboy bunnies. You could be, it was secular and religious. Yes. But people are, you know, once you, the great thing about a costume party in New York too is that they're stuck there because people party hop in New York, especially in their 20s. And you, you, once they're there, you know they're they're. Once you're a severed ear, you're not going anywhere. You're not else. going anywhere. So it, the 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 numbers build, and uh, it starts to come to a, a boil. And people, you know, they're not. They're a little. They're a little unhinged. You know, they they do things. They're not themselves exactly. Well, so. I will tell you this, just as and I only know this from being a sketch player. Again, not an actor, but when I am, when I do put on a costume for work, whenever I've. Whatever that is, I want to be that. And it's it has such a, a funny power. It has a childish thing, but I was in a sketch once and we were shooting outside and I'm dressed as a policeman and then I wandered away as the policeman. And I was telling people to move it along. And then suddenly I have like a 19th century Irish accent. Like, oh, move it along now. 
Like, what is this asshole doing? You're like, in, I, I had make a way for ducklings. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, well, it's the power of you know. Um, I had to do something recently. I think we we're in Norway, and they dressed me up in a ridiculous fisherman's costume, uh-huh. and I asked for a hook because, and I have a pipe. And the minute you give me a pipe, it's bits left and right. Uh-huh. And um, but it's it's just childish. It's child's yes. play, but it's really fun. It's the best. It's what. I do um, professionally. Well, yeah, so it's what we do. It is a whole other level with you, as is clear. Um, I can't say it enough. Again, I'm just going to say it. As your <laughs> old uncle who had you on the show years and years and years ago, um, you were, you've always been very funny and classy and polite and then crazy talented. Aww. So I'm just very... Uh, you know, it's not earned, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh no, that's I'm, so I am. Nice I am proud. Just like I'm, I'm like, I knew her when she was a child. Yeah. And people say, "Sit down, old man." But uh, it is, uh, it's a thrill to see you. And oh, that, well, um, I'm uh, sweating, but uh, thank you. It's very hard to receive that level of. Uh, um, appreciation, but I'm grateful for it. So thank you. Okay. Well, if I can thank make you. you sweat or in any way uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a little pinned here. But, uh... um, Claire, uh, such a joy to have you here and thank see you, you again. It was really nice to see you too. Very cool. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. review the reviewers. This is where I go to Apple Podcasts and I pull a review and we talk about it and see how good people are doing at reviewing our show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well and this is where we get to judge their judgment of us. Essentially. Mm. Although this yeah. one is a bit more of a, uh, I, I mm, what would I call it? Like I got a, an ax to grind. Mm. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. This well. is from Schmoopy. It's five star review. And this is just representative of many comments we've gotten. All right. A while back, we did an episode, a Conan O'Brien Needs a Fan episode, where I mentioned Inka Dink, a bottle of ink, and you all looked at me like I was crazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, people are coming out of the woodwork to defend me. Oh, good. Yeah. That's nice. It's nice to know. And you know what? If anyone should defend you, it's Schmoopy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not often you hear Schmoopy to the rescue. Uh, well, also Terry Bagels. And Gifivov. Well, and <laughs> no man is an island. Freaky Fritz and Sean the Bomb 07. Yep. Okay. Yep. You stand. Okay, so here's one of the those rumors. are your apostles. Yes. <laughs> You're quite the religious leader. <laughs> Matt is right. We did this every time we played hide and seek or ghost in the graveyard to see who was it. We actually had one more verse to it as well. 
Ink a dink, a bottle of ink, the cork fell out and you stink. Not because you're dirty, not because you're clean, just because you kissed a girl behind a magazine. Love your podcast, love the chill chums, and Conan is okay too. Ugh. Behind a magazine? Yeah, I don't weird. want this person as a fan. That was not something I remember. <laughs> How about, who says, mm, time for our little sexual indiscretion, meet me behind the magazine? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know, that was not know. in the version I had as a kid. What's Ghosts in the Graveyard? I don't know that one is either. Is that a thing? It must be. I've I never heard know. of Inka Dinka, but I think some of these things are regional. Yeah. I remember uh, that when we would play like a game of, you know, touch football on the street when I was growing up. This is like the early 1970s. And again, this is, I, I live in Brookline. I lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is right up against Boston. So it's the closest town to Boston, really, where we would play a pickup game. And if there was any kind of dispute, like that was a foul, you, you fouled him or no fair, you you interfered, whatever, any kind of, or no, you were out, you were out of bounds because you stepped over towards the Sices lawn rather than staying on Kennard Road. Whenever people said stuff like that, if you wanted to passive aggressively tell the other side, okay, you can have it, you'd say, let them have it. Let the babies have their orange juice. Oh. I remember we all said that. I remember people, that was something people said just in our area. And oh. people took offense to that? Like they understood it was- Oh, it was they understood serious. like, no, he really was out. No, it's fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was out. Let the babies have their orange juice. And I remember saying that with great conviction. Wow. And it's such a, and then of course, living in different parts of the country. You tried saying it? nobody says that. Oh, okay. I thought you tried saying it to someone and they were no, like, oh, no, it is. I'm sure I like I've, orange juice. Yeah. I'm sure I've said that. <laughs> wow. I'm sure I have tried that in LA <laughs> throughout my career, whether I was in New York or LA and someone said, no, that, you know, no, no, that, that joke doesn't belong in the sketch. It shouldn't be there. Okay, okay. Let the baby have his orange juice. <laughs> and I'm sure people just said, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, orange juice is not something you give to a baby. No. It's way too high in not, sugar, no. yeah. way too acidic. Yeah. So it, it, the more I've learned about babies, um, the more I've realized that it doesn't even make sense. Oh. Yeah. The baby doesn't guys, want the orange juice. Did you have apple, peaches, pumpkin pie, whoever's not ready, holler I? No, I grew up I, in the, the 20th song, century. I, yeah. what, what was it? <laughs> you guys, nobody makes me feel more like a child of immigrants than the two of you. Well, I mean, so you, you guys I, are, this is a lot. Bubblegum, bubblegum. What, what, what's that one, Eduardo? Bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. How oh, many pieces do you wish? wish? Yeah. One for the money, two, two for, for the, the show, show, three to get ready. What's up, my bro? <laughs> what? I don't think it went. What's I up? don't no? think it went. What's I, up, I might my have bro? Attacked yeah, I don't on. think you should ever say what's up, my bro. Or eeny, no. the classic, right? Eeny, meeny, money, yeah, mo. yeah. Well, wait a right? minute. Eeny, meeny, money, mo. Yeah, catch, catch a tiger by, by the toe. toe. If he hollers, let well, him that pay. goes back to like money, mo. Yeah, I know yeah. that one. That goes back to the Civil War. You know, but the ones they're saying, do you know them? No, you're a child of immigrants like I am, and this is. Well, Real which white. ones do you know, Edward? Superman, Superman, fly away. I know Superman. Well, let's hear it. You, you're that so was tentative. It. That was that's it? it? Yeah. What? You're never going to make it in this country, well, Eduardo, like, if that's all you've got. <laughs> yeah. Superman, Superman, fly away. And like what else have you got? <laughs> that's it. Get out of my country. USA, USA. Did you say no cuts, no butts, no coconuts when I, people would yeah. butt, when cut in line in I've front of you? I've heard it. I, okay. know that I never one. said yeah. it. But I know it was that one. Okay. I don't know. That's one I know. That is, there you go. I'm American. These are the things that should be on the citizenship test when you enter the country. You no, know? it should not. Oh, you're right. It shouldn't yeah. 
yeah. be. No, yeah. no, it shouldn't be. No, we're doing a list of what shouldn't be on the citizenship yes. list. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, let the baby have their orange juice. I, I think people can go in this world Maybe without knowing that. Maybe that's just a Boston that. thing. I don't know. Be. That's a weird one. It's really weird. Let yeah. the babies. And I remember it saying it with great, you know, uh, you know, sort of intensity. Yeah. Let the babies have their orange juice. <laughs> we shall move on. Wow. What a stupid thing to say. Yeah. God, I was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, picking. if we've if we've arrived at any conclusion here. It's that I'm the idiot and yeah. that you uh-huh. with your Inca Dinka bottle, bottle of, of ink. ink. Yeah. There's a guy, I think he stinks. And the cork fell if out. He buys, and if he buys a coat, I hope it's mink. No. Now you're mocking. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? <laughs> hey, he go needs have mental some health, orange but juice, he should see baby. a shrink. <laughs> go have some orange juice. What? Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Ipsy dipsy dadly do. Yeah. Yeah. I was young, but then I grew. <laughs> My favorite food was beef au jus. Oh, There's always beef au jus with you. <laughs> I'm in Britain. I've got to use the loo. That's the one I'm going to use. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm using. I want to see how far it can go. Can you remember it? Yeah. Do you, do you remember what I said? Ipsy, Not a bipsy, word. bodily boo. Yeah. yeah. I was young, but then I grew. Yeah. Uh-huh. My favorite food was, was beef, beef au jus. I was in England, and I used the loo. Yeah, when I'm in England, I use the loo. But how did I? I forgot it immediately. After that, but he why said can't it. that become legitimate? Why, I want to hear kids saying that. Um. Okay. Because ipsy bipsy bodily boo. Yeah. I was a child, but then I grew. Okay. My favorite food is beef au jus. That's where I think where you lose everybody. I don't think so. Okay. If you say oh, so. Oh, you know what? I was on a. <laughs> I had to play the stage at Bonnaroo, the main stage. You were there. For I was this. for your when you were on tour. When I was on tour, and it was a C. It was just that that reverse shot you see at uh, like Woodstock, yeah. where you, all you see is people, and then in the distance you see some towers with lights. Yeah. And I had to go out there, and I remembered there's no subtlety. This is a crowd that can hear plugged in rock and roll through giant stacks. You can't go out there <laughs> in front of that crowd. So I remembered what they liked was when I'd come out and I and I'd go like Bonnaroo. <laughs> How do you do? And they'd go, (laughs) and I did a couple of variations of that. And then I'll never forget. And I had this microphone where I went, let's go get some beef au jus. (laughs) (laughs) Hundreds of thousands of people suddenly got very quiet. (laughs) I I just imagined them parting down the middle and leaving. I remember when you did that, you came back and you're like, all I have to do is ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> uh, it was a lot of that. I realized that's what they like. Yeah, just questions. You know what? When you start rhyming beef au jus, it's time to, <laughs> it's time to, it's time to bring pink out there, you know? Let's <laughs> <laughs> jump pink! Remember Nas? Yeah, I do. I I was like, it's Nas. not time to bring Pig out. I think it's time for you to go into a home. <laughs> yeah, it's time for me to go. Yeah. All right. God bless. Godspeed. Inca get some dink. beef out. Inca Dinka. Bottle of ink. The cork fell out. No, 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 no. Beef out you. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. 
Talent Booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili wickdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wicknuggets fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go i participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last